Blog Talk Radio.
throne of God. Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. Immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne set in heaven. And one sat on the throne. Father, we come standing before that great white throne. The throne that's been established from eternity. The throne which is surrounded with transcendent radiance. The angels, the seraphim, beauty everywhere. The river of fire that flows from your throne. Oh, we love to stand before your throne, O oh God. We love to stand before the throne of God. divine encounter. We want to be lost. 
raging lover. Consumed with flaming fire. watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated his garment was white as snow the hair of his head was like pure wool his throne was like flaming fire its wheels were like a burning flame oh the throne burning with flaming fire fire flowed from the throne of God. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before the throne. And the court was seated. And the books were opened. The river of fire
our destiny. This is our inheritance. Oh God, to stand before the great white throne. To be lost in the river of holy fire. Holy romance. camp around your throne, O God. The place of an abandoned life, standing before the throne forever and ever. Saturday night edition of Prayer International Radio. 
just one more night for everybody before Easter comes. Um, I'm your host for tonight, Sean Holmberg. Our call in number is 619-638-8458. If you need prayer over the course of the next two hours, please give us a call. Um, if you have something on your heart, you need to hear a word from the Lord, please give us a call as well. You can also email us at prayerinternational at gmail.com. Okay, God. <laughs> Once again, Lord, this is all yours, Father, this entire broadcast. Father, Lord, we yield everything to you, asking that you would be glorified, Father, through your word, Lord. Holy Spirit, that you would confirm this word with signs and wonders, Lord, and the lives and the hearts of everybody who's listening tonight, Father. From one corner of this earth to the other, Lord, we ask only that your name would be glorified. Father, that your will would be done, Lord. Father, through your Holy Spirit, that you would reveal to us your will through your word, Lord. That this word would become living and powerful in us, Father. That this word would become a river of living water inside of us. You said, whoever drinks of the water that you shall give, Jesus, you said they will never thirst again. And so we ask for this water always, Lord. So I wanted to, I'm probably going to skip around a little bit tonight, if that's okay. Um, originally I was going to, I was going to do something on the Passover and um, over the next couple of days, I'm um, Leading up to tomorrow, but um, we're probably going to, well, I didn't feel necessarily like that was the right thing to do, but you never know what will happen on this broadcast, because um, he gets all the praise, the glory, and the honor for everything. So, I'm going to read a little bit. This is um, Luke chapter 5. So, it was, as the multitudes pressed about Jesus to hear the word of God. That he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little more from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and Alright, sorry about that. A little bit of audio difficulty. Um, if y'all can all hear me in the chat room, let me know. So, um, so they signaled their, to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. 
For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Um, and I guess, you know, there's a couple different things about this. Um, I guess we could start pointing out. Um, you know, Simon, Paul, and Peter hadn't actually, um, as far as we know in Scripture yet, they hadn't received the actual revelation of who, of who Jesus was. Um, whether they heard about his signs and wonders, um, heard that there was a man who did great things, um, great exploits. Um, at this moment in Scripture, none of them knew exactly who he was. Um, and so, it, it, for us who know him, um, we can look back on some of these things. Um, and really, um, you know, the first thing... You know, the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit followed the disciples, confirming the words. Their words were signs and wonders, which wasn't weren't were not their words. Um, sorry for my bad grammar, um, but the words of God. Um, and we know He is the Word. And the first thing Jesus did was He actually sat down and He taught the multitudes from the boat. And so the the teaching um, and the de declaration that the kingdom of God was at hand was the first thing that came. Like the scripture we always uh, read a lot on the broadcast in Matthew ten seven, where it says, "As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give." And so the first thing that Jesus did, um, in like manner, um, and not necessarily saying that everything has to go in order, and that you always have to. Um, Preach before you can pray for someone, which we know isn't true, because when Peter was at the gate, beautiful, praying for the man, um, he didn't preach anything. He just prayed, and that was it. Um, but Jesus sits down and teaches the multitude, and then immediately he said to Simon, "Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch." Now, before this said this, he had actually told Simon to take his boat out a little bit um, so the multitudes wouldn't like throng about him and capsize the boat with so many of them but then he told um, Simon launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch now in some of the other gospels we noticed that um, and I forget exactly uh, which one of the um, disciples I think it was Philip he uh, I believe it was Philip he saw under a fig tree and he said um while you were still under the fig, under the tree, I saw you. And so we know Jesus had the ability to, um, the same as his father, pretty much know everything. Um, and so he knew where the fish were. Not only did he know where the fish were, he knew that the disciples had been catching all night. He knew that they had been struggling, and um, as um, Simon said, they had been toiling all night and called nothing. So here they are, they're, they've been struggling, um, trying to catch fish on their own, um, do it all themselves, and all night long. Um, I can't imagine myself fishing for more than an hour, but yet all night long they're toiling and striving and they catch nothing. 
So here they are. They're packing everything up, and they're getting ready to call it a day. And next thing you know, Jesus comes along. And, you know, whenever we get to the end of our earthly, humanly abilities is when he steps in um, at times. Because, you know, the scripture um, declares that um, what we're accountable for is not what we don't have, but what we do. The talents which we do have. Um, There's a story of the master who gave each of his disciples different talents. And when he came back, he expected them to use the talents that he had given them. But not more than he had given them. He didn't expect a, a disciple who only, only gave um, one talent to or to use this, to actually use ten talents because he hadn't given those talents. So so he took, they'd been toiling all night and Jesus shows up. And, and he says, still, let down your nets. And he knew where the fish were, but it was a test of faith. You know, a lot of times the Lord will tell us to do things, and sometimes they are. They're a test of faith because the Lord already knows how he's going to provide. We may not always know, but our obedience isn't always um, contingent on our ability to understand exactly what the Lord is planning in every situation. Sometimes when the Lord calls us to do things, um, you know, the Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. And, you know, there's a, there's a great many times the Lord will tell you to do something or the Holy Spirit will speak to you. And you may have absolutely no clear, clue why he's doing it, what's his plan, what's going on, what's at the other end of it. But usually at the other end of your obedience is a blessing and a multiplication and a miracle. And so what Simon said is he said, okay, we haven't caught anything. Nevertheless, it doesn't matter. Even though I, I've been out there, nothing's going on. Because you said it, I will do it. And when they had done this, and they were obedient, they caught a great number of fish, so much that their nets were breaking. And they signaled their partners, and they came, and then both the boats were sinking. And Simon Peter saw, and he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. You know, I always wondered why he said that, if he, when he said, Depart me from our sinful man, because he knew that he was God. And he realized who Jesus was, or because of his the lack of faith he had, knowing Jesus and still doubting when Jesus said something. You know, there was a man who came to Jesus, and his son was um, afflicted. And, you know, Jesus said, if you believe, anything is possible. And he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And they were all astonished at the catch of fish. And Jesus said, Do not be afraid, from now on you will catch men. So when they brought their boats to land, they all they forsook everything and followed him. Everything and followed him. And what does that actually mean? To forsake everything and follow him. We know from this scripture that there's a great many times that people came to Jesus and some of them got turned away because they either had too many possessions or not enough possessions or they had this on their schedule or this on their schedule. But what does it really, really mean to um, forsake all and serve him except for complete and total disregard for everything? You know, um, talking as a man and talking and... Um, natural terms it actually means a lot 
you know, the scripture declares to present yourselves as living sacrifices to God. It says that we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. It says um, that we were bought with a price and we're not our own. We're not our own. It says that we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And not only are we now citizens um, under a new a new set of rules, but we're also friends with the master of the house, because Jesus said, uh, "No longer would I call you servants, because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing." You know, speaking of um, faith for just a minute, um, for those of you who are out there, you know, there, there's going to be times when things are going to get tough. Um, it's going to happen. There's going to be times when you're going to strive um, trying to do as much as you possibly can do. And with your own abilities, it's for some reason, it's still not going to be good enough. But, you know, what... One thing Jesus was emphasizing here is that he's Jehovah Jireh. He's our source. He's our provision. When you don't know the answer, he's the answer. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And sometimes when you don't know what the answer is, you don't know where you're going. You don't know what you need to do. You don't know how he's going to provide the next bill, how he's going to provide the next uh, like um, payment for whatever it is you need. Sometimes... It's simple. It's as simple as the scripture says, it, "Be still and know that I'm a, I am God." Or it says, "Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength." Not those who strive and worry and stress, but those who just wait on the Lord. Those who look up to Him and say, "You know what, Jesus, I, I've tried this. I've tried this. I've tried this." But at Your word, I will do it. And then through the obedience of stepping on just a little bit of faith. Not based on what you can actually see, because we know that the Word declares that um, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, sometimes just stepping out in obedience and stepping out in faith on something that you can't see will get you to the point of your breakthrough, will get you to the point of a blessing and um, deliverance from whatever it is that you need. And it doesn't matter if it's financial. It doesn't matter if it's sin. It doesn't matter if it's a relationship. Because he is who he is. He's a God who the scripture says cannot lie. He is a God who declared that he would never leave us nor forsake us. He's a God who said that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jehovah Jireh who provided for the children of Israel in the wilderness will provide for us today. You know, in the um, the children of Israel, they received manna from heaven. Um, God being their provision, God being their sustenance, God proving that He was going to provide for them. He was never, He, was, he wasn't going to forsake them or leave them orphans or leave them in the wilderness to starve. And in the same way, Jesus said, "Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood." And, you know, they said to Jesus, give us this food always. The woman who was at the well said, when Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who it was who asked you to give him a drink, you would ask him and he would have given you living water. And she said, give me this water that I may never thirst. The children of Israel had temporary water. Um, 
because the things of the law, the things of the letter were temporal. They were um, made to be temporary, to point to the Lord Jesus Christ, um, who would come later on to deliver us from our sins. But those things were temporary, just a shadow of things to come. The manna was a temporary substance for that day, that the children of Israel, that we all would learn to trust Him, not for provisions down the road, but for, for the provisions we need right now, for the things that He has us, has for us right at this very moment. But Jesus goes far beyond that not being a temporal high priest, not doing something that's temporary, but something that's permanent. As he said on the cross, it is finished, completed from the foundation of the world. Even though we weren't around um, when he fashioned and crafted and molded and called every atom into being on in the universe that we know, he had still purposed in his heart to reveal his salvation to us. He had purposed in his heart to demonstrate his love to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. That the things that were temporary would become permanent and eternal. So our call in number 619-638-8458. We'll take a really, really quick break and we'll be right back.
Okay, everybody, welcome back to Prayer International Radio. Our call-in number is 619-638-8458. If you need prayer for anything, um, give us a call. So we have, a for all of you out there, we still we have one prayer request, actually a couple. Um, we have Marvin and um, Deborah who called in. And um, two different um, prayer requests um, wrapped up in one. The first one, um, Marvin... Um, having difficulties with his uh, supervisor at work, and, you know, we've all been there, um, me included. Um, you know, when I, I was talking about um, what does it really mean when they said they surrendered all, because being a Christian isn't just something we do. It's a it's a lifestyle. It's a um, – it's not – you know, they, they do these surveys all the time on the news, and they say, well, how many people – and believe this and how many of you believe this and you really wonder um, how many people just know something to be true how many people believe it to be true and then how many people have experienced it and walk in it because there is a big difference there's a big difference between knowing there's a God and there's and then believing him and believing his word and then there's a big difference between believing his word and true and actually walking in it um it says in the book of james to be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves and far too often in all of our lives um and i'm not just preaching to everybody to myself too far too often we know what the scripture says we've heard the scripture but for whatever reason um we still have to continually trust the holy spirit to apply it to our lives to you know, the scripture says in Second um, Corinthians, it says, We behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, being Jesus. And we're changed to the same image from glory to glory. Um, it says our minds are renewed um, through his word. And continually, there's a process that the Lord does in each one of our lives. And it's individual, um, where he transforms our character. Um, it says that he's the potter and we're the clay. And he's continually working with this molding in us. Um, transforming our very character into his um, It says that Jesus has forever perfected those who are being sanctified We don't start off sanctified um, But it's something that is a continual working process of the Holy Spirit Which will, I, I assume, continue until the day we see him And, but you know, um, Marvin has a godly character um, Loves the Lord Jesus um, is continually praying the blood of Jesus over his job, which you know is pretty much exactly what you should do in that situation. Because there, I have yet to find a place in the Bible where it says that you're going to get along with everybody. On contrary, it says something completely different. It says we're not. It says the world's going to hate us. Um, but not only that, it doesn't just say that the world's going to hate us and persecute us, but it also says that we're fighting a spiritual battle. It says that the battle. Because the battle could either be in the spiritual realm, it could be in your mind, or it could be in the flesh. And the battle in our flesh is the last one we have to worry about. Because if we're walking in the spirit, as it says in Romans, to walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And we're fighting the battle that is not with flesh and blood, but against, as Paul said, principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age. Casting down every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and continually keeping our mind focused on him, continually meditating on his word, continually praying, as Paul said, that he prayed without ceasing, continually um, remembering that he is God in every situation. Um, you know, I heard someone say once, um, one problem with Christians is 
when they pray, they're or they're expecting something, they're wanting the Lord to do something for them. They always want the atmosphere to be perfect. They always want everything to line up, and they're like, okay, well, the spiritual atmosphere isn't perfect, and these people aren't believers, and so I can't really worship you at the moment. I can't really do all this. And the, and the truth is, you know, the Bible says that we're in the world, but not of the world. And while we're children of light, we're still in the midst of darkness. We're still in a world that's controlled um, and deceived by the prince of the power of the air. As it says, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. And we're still living in this world. The only difference is, is that we know the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that the kingdom of God is at hand and we have the power through the Holy Spirit to change the very atmosphere around us through his word and through the Holy Spirit. And we need to continually, no matter what we're doing, continually, continually, continually find ourselves at his feet, interceding for those around us, caring about us, the fragrance of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it's into a church or whether it's into our job or whether it's into the local Starbucks, because he's pretty much everywhere. There's nowhere you can go to escape his presence. And if that being true, then every minute and every second that we have, regardless of where we are, is an opportunity for us to worship him, for him to be glorified. And worship isn't always just something we do with our lips, but sometimes our worship is our very lifestyle. Sometimes our worship is our very um, attitude, our very mindset about the world around us, where we see things not from our perspective, and we act not based on our own feelings or emotions, but we act and we think based on what his word declares about a situation and what we know that his heart declares. You know, someone said intimacy and discernment is nothing more than knowing the heart of God. And we know that the Holy Spirit reveals to us the deep things of the Father. And so, Father God, your word declares if two or more of you are gathered together in your name that you're there in the midst. Jesus, you said if we ask anything in your name, you will do it, Lord. And you also said to be still and know that you are God, Father. And the Psalms are filled with words about those who would persecute us, Lord. But, Father, we know that you're the judge. You're the only righteous judge, Jesus. So, Lord, we ask for grace, Father, on Marvin and his job, Father. We ask for favor, Lord. Lord, not only favor in the eyes of his supervisors and the eyes of all the people that he works with, Lord, but, Father, an increase in your presence, Lord, to be manifested in his very workplace, Lord, that the, every time he walks in, Father, your presence would be a sweet-smelling aroma, Lord, to those around him, Father. For your word declares that it's not by our words and necessarily by our actions, Father, but you said that it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Your scripture says that they'll know us by our love, Father. So, Father, I ask in your name, Lord, that you would keep the the work that you started, Father. For your word says that you will complete the work you started until the day of Christ, Father. And so in Marvin, Lord, that you would fashion and shape and mold his heart, Lord. Father, that you would give him words of knowledge, Lord. Give him discernment on the exact words to say. You say that when they bring you up, not to prepare your words beforehand, but that you will give us the words to say in that very hour, Lord. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to Marvin when he's in these situations, Lord. Father, that you would give him words of godly wisdom, Lord, and understanding and knowledge, Lord, to stop the mouth of the adversary, Father. Father, we ask for a hedge of protection around him, Lord, in his job, Lord. 
and most of all, Jesus, that you would be glorified through him in this job. Father, for uh, Deborah, Lord, she's been suffering with um, kidney issues for what I believe they said was a couple months. You know, Jesus, it's like the woman with the issue of blood who had been in that condition for such a long time, or the man by the pool of Bethsaida who'd been in that condition for a long time, Father, and it breaks our heart to see anybody, whether they're your children or those who are outside of the flock, Lord, who have to go through the pains of sickness, Lord, but we know in whom we believe, Father, and we know what your word declares, Jesus, that by your stripes we are healed, Father, and it's only fitting, Lord, that the day before your resurrection, Father, that you would reach out, Lord, and through your word that you would heal her. So, Father, with all of us gathered together, Lord, agreeing and believing your word to be true in her life, Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Father, we ask for complete and total healing, Lord, over Deborah's body. We declare her kidneys to be made whole in the name of Jesus Christ, Father. Every con kidney condition to be removed, Father. Every kidney zone dissolved in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, we take authority over this sickness, Father, and we command it to be removed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, Lord, comfort her heart. Father, give her complete and total peace, Lord, in your presence. For your word declares that in your presence there is fullness of joy, Lord. You said to call upon you, and you would show us great and mighty things you, that we know not of, Lord. Jesus, you also said to, not, to just have faith and believe. So, Lord, thank you for the healing endeavor, Lord. Father, we call it out, Father. We cry it out, Lord. Standing before your throne, Lord, rejoicing in who you are tonight, Father. Rejoicing that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. That you are the Alpha and Omega. That you are the beginning and the end, the first and the last, Father. That all authority in heaven and earth has been granted unto you, and all things have been put under your feet. And your name is above every name. So, Lord, thank you for he the healing. Thank you for your blood over Deborah, Lord. In Jesus' name.
Hey everybody, welcome back to Prayer International Radio. Our call in number is 619-638-8458. If you need prayer, please give us a call. Father, we worship you, Lord. Your word declares that those who worship you must worship you in spirit and in truth. Jesus, you said the Father is spirit. Lord, we desire, Father, to know you as you have known us, Lord. As Paul said, to know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings, Lord. Knowing that tomorrow morning is the day we celebrate your resurrection, Father. Knowing that the power of death cannot hold you, Lord. Knowing that the Holy Spirit entered into that tomb, Father. And Jesus, you were risen from the dead. Ascended to the right hand of the Father, ever to make intercession for us. You being the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. The only one holy the only one righteous, the only one pure, the only one worthy to open the scrolls and the seals. The scripture declares that a multitude of multitudes will cry out, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And so, um, for all of you out there who aren't Christians who are listening, I guess this weekend is what it's all about. Um, for the most part, Friday being the day that Christ Jesus died upon the cross for the sins of the world. And tomorrow morning being about the time that he rose again from the dead. Mary and the disciples going toward the tomb. And finding that he's no longer there, finding that the stone had been rolled away and the tomb was empty. And it says in Isaiah 53, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord, the will of the Lord, been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He is no former comeliness or no beauty, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all.
for all of you who are listening um, who aren't Christians, um, and the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says there's none righteous, no, not one. But it says we have an advocate with Jesus Christ the righteous who died upon the cross that not that the world could be condemned but that the world through him might be saved for those who are born not by the will of the flesh but by the spirit those who have come to know him to be the Christ the son of the living God who died and rose again and it says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved Whatever situation you find yourself in, whatever you're struggling with, the answer doesn't lie in books and teachings and anything like that. Um, salvation comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And and the world we live in, there's 5 million people out there who claim that they know, they have the answer, they have the truth, or they have this, or they have that, but in reality, none of them will bring you peace, none of them will bring you joy, none of them will bring you the eternal hope of salvation, the eternal hope of everlasting life, which comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And our God is bigger than whatever the sin is, whatever the struggle, whatever the adversity, whatever mountain it is that you're having to go through. Our God is bigger. Our God is stronger. Our God is more powerful. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, our provider. He's Jehovah Je Jehovah Rophe, the Lord who heals. You know, they gave a, um, in the Old Testament, they gave different names for God. All being the same God, but they... Um, Every time the Lord came through for them, every time he proved himself to them, they would ascribe to him characteristics. You know, some of them are Elohim, the sovereign, mighty creator. Jehovah itself, the unchangeable, intimate God. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. Adonai, Lord and Master. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. Jehovah M. Kadesh, the Lord my sanctifier. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner. Jehovah Rophe, the Lord my health. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. Jehovah Tiskinu, the Lord my righteousness. Jehovah Rohe, the Lord my shepherd. Jehovah Shema, God is there. El Elyon, God most high. Jehovah McKay, I love that one, the Lord who molds me, Jehovah Gamal, I don't know how to pronounce that one, the Lord who rewards, or El Elohi Israel, the personal God of Israel, you know, it doesn't matter what name you call him, um, the scriptures declare that there was a disciple who was walking through the city and saw where they had multiple gods all carved out and 
each man worshipping his own deity or his own god, formed and crafted by man's imagination, physically made with man's own hands, all having a symbolism of something but having no power behind them. And yet he went to the one that said to the unknown God, the God that the world doesn't know. And he said, I want to tell you about this unknown God, the one who is not made with flesh, the, not made by flesh and blood, the one who is not crafted by man's hands, the one who has existed from the beginning and will be in the end, the one who has no maker because he is the maker of all things. By him, by him all things exist. By him all things have their meaning and have their purpose. By him alone life itself was formed when he breathed life into man and declared him to be alive. By him alone the universe is fashioned. Every planet taking shape. Every star ordered and set in its place. The winds in the ocean and the sands on the sea all appointed their place and their times by him. You know, it is this God who, when man could not save himself, when man could not be holy or be righteous, because of sin, it was this God who sent his own son into the form of a man so that he for that very purpose could become the sacrifice he could become the substitution for our sins and having completed the work that his father had sent him to do he was buried in a tomb and then three days later he was risen. And the scriptures declares that this same Jesus will return again. He himself saying, Behold, I am coming quickly. Behold, I am coming quickly. You know, you could um, dispute and debate and talk about rapture and rapture this and rapture that and is there a pre-tribulation or a post-tribulation? Or is there even going to be a tribulation? Who cares? And that, that may sound really harsh for me to say. It may sound really weird for me to say. But who cares if there's going to be a tribulation? Who cares if there's going to be a rapture? Because we have work to do. You know, the disciples, after Jesus had risen and he appeared to countless numbers of people, and when he, after he had ascended back to the Father with whom, from whom he came, the disciples sat around, looking into heaven, waiting for his return. And the angels of the Lord showed up and said, Why are you here looking into heaven, gazing? Because he told you what to do. He told them to go and meet him in the upper room. And in like manner, he's told us to be busy, to 
to be watchful, but to be busy. Continually watchful in all things, but busy, because there's work to do. Because as Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look, behold, the harvest is white. And so, is there a tribulation? Is there a rapture? You know what? Who knows? The scripture, you could interpret the scripture one way, you can interpret it another, but the other option is not to really interpret things like that at all and just to put your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Get into your prayer closet and seek his face. Not for what's going to happen days or months or years from now, but what he wants to do today. What he wants to transpire, have transpire in your life today, the work that he's wanting to complete in you today, the things that he's wanting to reveal to you today, the mysteries of his heart and his kingdom that he wants to open your eyes to and let you see today. For he's not the God of the future and he's not the God of yesterday. He's the God of this moment, the God of right now. He said, I am that I am. The ever-present God, ever-present in a time of need, ever-present in the victory that we have. I think sometimes we spend way too much time trying to figure out what's going to happen instead of just going to the person who it's all about. Instead of just seeking Him. And we do seek Him, but... Many times we seek him because we need something, because we want something. Like the children of Israel, always complaining, always disputing, always wanting, instead of just wanting him. Because we haven't yet, as a body of believers, as the church of God, we still haven't realized that everything comes through him, that he is our provision, that he is the manna from heaven, he is the water that comes out of the rock. The same God who provided the bread in the wilderness is the same God who provided and fed the multitude to 5,000. And then again in another place, fed another multitude. The same God who took water and turned it into wine. Not because necessarily of the wine, but to prove that he takes that which is not and causes it to become something else. He takes us who are once sinners and causes us to be righteous and godly, not based on our own actions, not based on our own works, but by his own grace. We are saved through faith. As it says in Ephesians, for by grace you are saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's all through him. Every minute, every second, every breath is because of Him. So our call in number 619-638-8458. If you need prayer, give us a call and we'll be right back.
Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Prayer International Radio. Um, you know, I'm just realizing um, we've been going through getting ready to do Easter, and we haven't even gotten to Jesus on the cross, which in itself could take a lifetime. So I'm going to – I know Chris is um, planning tomorrow morning. We've been doing live Sunday um, broadcast, uh, not here on Blog Talk, but on um, – Ustream, and we've been posting live every Sunday morning, and tomorrow he's um, planning on doing a Sunday morning Easter um, message, and, you know, just fitting um, beforehand um, to read at least a little bit about the cross. Um, So, from what I've gathered... um, you know, about the same time that Jesus is being led away to the cross is about the same time that the high, that um, they were um, also sacrificing the lambs for the um, Passover ceremonies. Passover being um, the memorial that they have done every year commemorating the deliverance that God did for the children of Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, or he told them to sacrifice the animal and put the bloods on their doorposts, that the angel of death would pass over them when he killed all the firstborn of the Egyptians. And about the same time, Jesus is being led away to the cross. And, you know, this is Luke chapter 26, and you know, it, it records the death and crucifixion of Jesus in all the Gospels, but there's just a couple things I wanted to point out in Luke. Um, so verse 26 of Luke chapter 23, we have about uh, 30 minutes left, so see if I can get into it. Um, now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. You know, we've been talking about foreshadowing, and from the Old Testament to the New, the shadows, the the old things in the Old Testament being a shadow of things to come, the Passover lamb being a shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ, the law being a shadow of the law of the Spirit and grace that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ the glory of the tabernacle of Moses being a shadow of Jesus himself. Moses building the house of the Lord and was made with physical hands, um, an ark and, and, um, tents for the presence of God. But Jesus himself being the very maker of heaven and earth. In the old Testament, they had a temple that they would have to build for, people to walk into, the priests alone being able to walk in once a year into the presence of the living God, uh, which was a shadow of things to come as we are now the temple of the living God. For The scripture says, what house will you make for me considering my hands have made all things? And it says that we, as a body of believers, are being built up to the dwelling place of God and the Spirit. For he desires not to have it, a physical building, but he, he desires to inhabit us, to become one with us. And in like manner, as in the foreshadowing, uh, Simon has to carry the cross of Jesus, which we too, after his death and resurrections, are still carrying around the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And it says in verse 27, And a great multitude of the people followed him, and women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourself and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, wombs that never bore, and breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Follow us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in greenwood, what will be done in the dry? Now, I don't know for a fact that there's necessarily going to be a rapture. Um, some parts of Scripture says there, there may be, and other parts of Scripture you could look at it and say there's not. But one interesting thing about this verse is I believe if there is a rapture, then when the his church is taken, then the Holy Spirit will also depart, so that that which is preventing the true evil from being exposed is removed, which would be the Holy Spirit. And in verse 32, it says, there were also two others criminals led with him to be put to death. And when he, they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. You know, in other places it says, had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord, Lord of glory. Had they really known, had their eyes been opened, but it says that the things of the Spirit can't be perceived by the flesh. And those of the time of Jesus couldn't understand, they couldn't see, they couldn't comprehend the things of the Spirit. They didn't have the revelation of who he really was, for had they have known, they would not have crucified him. But for that very purpose, he came forth. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming and ordering him, offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. You know, there's this little footnote in my Bible that says he cannot save himself and be the savior of others. And while we learn from the Garden of Gethsemane that he could have called legions of angels, he prayed to the Father and said, Unless if this cup can pass from me, let it pass from me. But if I must drink it, his last act of obedience to the Father, knowing the reason, the purpose which he had come forth was to save the world. As it says later on, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Then one of the criminals who were hanged beside him, when it says, and then inscription was written up over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews, written in so everybody could read it, because as scripture says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the others, and others answered, rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And when... We indeed, we and we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. 
Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, it's almost like this, um, the parable of two men, one who stood on a mountain and said, and said, God, thank you that I'm not like this other man. And the other man who just beat his breast and confessed that he was a sinner. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened. <clears throat> the sun was darkened because the light of the world was going out of the world. I'm just throwing that part in there. And the veil of the temple was torn in two. And, you know, that part must have really freaked out all the religious elites and the elders and everybody else at that time who had still believed that only one man could enter into the holy place once a year. And to see the veil of the temple torn in two, the very separation between God and the rest of the world, declaring that no one had a monopoly on the presence of God and that God cannot be confined into a house made with hands and that God, that the um, barrier, very barrier that prevented man from entering the presence of God had been removed. The veil itself being a shadow of the body of Christ. For himself has become, has become the passage into the Holy of Holies. For it's by his blood that we are redeemed and sanctified. And therefore now it says in another place, come boldly to the throne of grace in which we are accepted in a time of need. And when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together to that sight, seeing what had been done, beat their breasts and returned. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision, indeed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of rock, where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drawn near, which Sabbath being today, Saturday. And the women had come to him from Galilee, followed him. And they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oil, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. But death couldn't hold him. He who created all things. As some would say, the uncreated God. The Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the out and the first and the last. And tomorrow morning being the day which he had Sunday, um, the third day being the day he rose from the dead which his disciples remembered him 
later saying if you, to the Pharisees, if you destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. And they remembered what he had said. And the Bible is full of places where the Father said, remember this, remember this. During the Last Supper, he said, remember this. And yet there's a whole world um, who doesn't know. There's a whole world who isn't aware, who's never been told. In some religions, they go to the Ganges River in India, um, and they believe if they bathe in a river filled with human waste, that this is how they get forgiveness of their sins. And in different religions and different cultures across this earth, there are people attempting to obtain righteousness, attempting to gain favor with the Lord, attempting to somehow find themselves Righteous through whatever acts they can of penance or whatever else because they still don't know that their own hands can't do it. Because they don't know that someone has already died for them. That there's no more punishment for sin because the price has already been paid. And yet men still strive to accomplish that which they can't accomplish not knowing that it's finished as Jesus said in his last one of his last breaths he said it's done it's finished the work's complete everything his father sent him to do had been done and then he took his own blood after the resurrection offered it on the mercy seat of heaven for the forgiveness of sins for all who were born and all who would be born for all of us, every sin, every deed, every thought, forgiven in the eyes of the Lord, that we could stand righteous before him, having been covered with that same blood, and not the blood of bulls and goats, which can never cleanse the conscience or take away sin, as it says in Hebrews, not with the same blood that Adam and Eve that God covered with Adam and Eve with, which was just a shadow of the covering that we would have that would actually remove the sin. For the covering that Adam and Eve had of animal skins could only cover up the sin, but it could never remove it. And while the Lord's judgment would pass over them, it can never clear their conscience. The same with the children of Israel, who not being completely righteous, still sprinkled the blood on their doorpost, and the angel of death passed over them. But yet, they, them themse themselves, they still were not completely righteous, but had the covering. But now we, having been made righteous by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of the new covenant, which speaks of better things, that we shall all be accepted in heaven, all stand before the throne of God. Having found favor with the Most High through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the work of the cross, we are saved. We are redeemed. 
declared to be fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. As the scripture declares, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. You know, the scripture says in Romans, it says, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. And this same Jesus who paid the price for our sins, died upon the cross, wherein the Lord took all the judgment for the entire world and poured it out upon him. And then, through the power of the Holy Spirit, raised him from the dead. What can the world do to us? For as the scripture says, I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor things created nor things anything shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. This same Jesus who is now seated at the right hand of God interceding on our behalf. This same Jesus whose name was exalted above every name. The same Jesus that the scripture declares that God has put all things under his feet. What else can the world do to us? What can they say to us when we serve such a mighty God, when we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the author and the finisher of our faith? What matter? How does it matter what happens in the world or what plagues or what tribulations or what persecutions come when we're found in him. Not having our own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. And we, like Abraham, have been accounted righteous, not by our own works, but by our faith in him, who justifies the ungodly. So this is Prayer International Radio, our call number, 619-638-8458. If you need prayer for anything, if you want to know Jesus, give us a call, and we will be back.
said a carpenter. Some said a teacher. They said a prophet. They said he's a fraud. He's God. But he's fully a man. And he was born to be a king. No, he was silent. Like a lamb to the slaughter, he was silent. In his patience, he endured. But I know the end of the story. And we're only at the beginning, the beginning. He's coming. He's alive. He's alive.
Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Are you ready? 